Welcome to Picks with the Professor, the show where a real statistics professor and his cousin and his friend Jake gives you sports betting tips. I'm your host, Professor Sides, for the latest updates, information, and picks. You can follow me on Twitter at Professor Sides. You can follow my cousin Jared on Twitter at Cousin Jared. And you can follow our friend Jake on Twitter at my friend underscore Jake. This college football episode covers select games from week five of the 2022 season. In case you're new here, I built a mathematical model that predicts what the spread should be for every FBS college football game. Information along with each team's power rating in a graded A, B, or C pick, either now or coming later, for every game is available in the Google Sheet that is in the show's description. The goals for this episode are to share key information about this week's games, give you some things to think on, and explain why certain plays are being made in order for you to come up with picks that you are comfortable with. We never recommend blindly tailing or fading any pick, but rather to hear the justifications and thought processes to make sure you're fully on board with us or against us before investing your hard-earned money. And as I'm always saying, take what you like and leave the rest. As we go through the plays, remember there are no locks and gambling, so I'll give you our loves, likes, and leans, that is A, B, and C grades, to indicate my confidence level with respect to scaling wagers. Both because Jared and Jake will also be utilizing a weighted unit scale for this college football season. And as always, please remember that good and bad variants will occur. So as much as we'd like to say we'll be profitable each and every week, that is an impossible reality for any gambler. Gentlemen, how are y'all doing tonight? Having a great time. All right. That's, I mean, what more could you ask for? Because Jared, you're muted. Yeah. Yeah. I was just trying to wait for Jared to figure that one out. Oh, there you go. (laughs) I wonder how long that was going to be. I'm having a great night. And and, and Jake really sold me that he was having a great night, too. He just didn't hear my enthusiasm, so he couldn't replicate it. So there we go. Um, Way to start the show. No, no, I'm just, I'm worried about the Braves here. We're we're fighting for these. So I'm just, we're struggling with the Nationals. I'm not liking it. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's a that's a reasonable uh, representation of how we're all feeling at this point. I mean, we can't yeah. even figure out muting and <laughs> my voice. My voice feels a little bit better, but I'm still dealing with all these allergies. Uh, let's just get to it, all right? Before we get to the show, that's some reminders. Please hit that like button if you're on YouTube. Also, if you aren't yet, please consider subscribing or following. It's free, and if you turn notifications on, you won't miss any of the college basketball and mobile college football content that this channel provides. Also, a reminder: we've started the Patreon page for those of you looking to support the show. Membership starts at just three dollars per month. Benefits get you the play of the day, access to our Discord chat. Add free and early access to the shows and early access to the projected spreads. I got a couple more I want to mention today that if you'd gotten in on a Sunday, you'd have gotten better numbers that we can get now. Uh, but all lines, as always, courtesy of Bet Online, sign up link in the show's description. And current as of the time of this recording, it is late night Wednesday uh, here. All Saturday shows today, we're going to start off at the noon Eastern slot, Louisville and Boston College. Um, this is one of two times today when I'm going to do this. Uh, Sideline says this should be Louisville minus 13. I'm going to lay the 15 and a half, though, even though um, the model says that 15 and a half is too many points, simply because I think Louisville is a competent football team, and I don't think Boston College is. I mean, I saw part of that game last week that Boston College played in, and they looked absolutely terrible. That was the spot against a banged-up Florida State team to, like, do anything good with football. A Florida State team had no desire to run away with it, and they just didn't. And so uh, only a C-grade pick because it's on the wrong side of 14, and it is a lot of points. But, I mean, it's one of those – one of again, two times today where I'm going to look at the model and say, yeah, but I just don't know if you realize how bad Boston College is. So I'm going to say screw it, like the points here, minus 15.5 for Louisville. Uh, total of 51. Cousin Jared, what do you got? So – 
I want everybody to know, the viewers of the show know, we do listen to the comments, read the comments here. And somebody asked me, hey, even if I'm not making a pick on a game, could I give which way I lean in case you were in like a survivor pool or something like that? So that's what I'm going to do here. No official play on this game, but definitely I'm, I'm with the professor on this one. I would lean towards laying the points with Louisville. I don't know how many points Boston College is, is going to score in this game. I don't know how much, many points they're capable of scoring against anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely yeah. on the on the total for those exact same reasons, I would lean towards the under 51. Um, both of these teams run the ball better than they throw the ball. A lot of running clock here potentially. And again, Boston College just has a lot of issues on offense. Yeah, Jake. Yeah, Boston College lost that game from the kick immediately. Yeah, that game that was just bad. Um, yeah, it was like it was like first quarter. It was over. It's like there's no chance of covering whatsoever after after a quarter, which is pathetic. (laughs) But uh, I I love Louisville here. I I think they will literally run away with the ball here. I mean, Malik Cunningham's not having like great throwing the ball here, but you know that's the benefit of having Malik Cunningham on your team is you don't need him to throw the ball to be for him to be a huge threat. like their offense has really come to play the last couple of games. The defense let them against Florida State, against both of Florida State, to say. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I think this game looks a lot closer to that South Florida game. Louisville just played the Florida State one. Some catches offensively, they look a lot more like South Florida than uh, than Florida State does. And then, I mean, like Cunningham is just going to gash them left and right. He's like Florida State was able to gash them for TD runs of 36, 22, and 15. I, I can't imagine what Malik Cunningham's going to do. And whoever else, if he decides to throw the ball, hand the ball off, I think he's going to have complete control of this game and they'll, they'll cover for it fairly easy. Yeah, I, I feel like because uh, Jerry talked about the total, if I was going to go under, I might go team total under for Boston College. I'm not sure how many points Louisville's going to score because they Boston College might give up a ton of points in a hurry to Louisville, just like they did to Florida State, right? So mm-hmm. I feel like Louisville could score between you know 24 and 42 points, and I don't really know where they're going to be. But I'm like, BC's going to score like 10, right? Like they're just they're not going to be able to score many points. I feel like. Let the record show I have not – I don't know if I've won a team total play yet this right, season. Yeah. And so – A little, little bit there, but – Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, there's, there's always got to be one. you got to keep playing it. <laughs> That's one perspective. Yes, <laughs> yes. Also at Noon Eastern Temple at Memphis. Uh, Memphis is a 19.5-point favorite. Uh, I mean, Memphis is, is, is decent and Temple isn't, but I'm still going to grab the 19.5 with Temple. That's a lot of points for a Memphis team that I just don't completely trust. They had the cover against UNT and just didn't seem to care and let UNT get the back door. I think that's on the table here with this one. Memphis just isn't a good enough team and or cares enough to really just put teams away. Maybe they can. Maybe they can't. I really don't know. But I see a similar situation like last week against UNT. They're going to be out relatively big, but whether it's 17 at the end or 24, 21 at the end, that back door is definitely there, just like it was for UNT. I'm going to grab the 19 and a half points. Not a really confident play for me just because Temple is so bad. Sideline says 17 and a half. I just am going with too many points for a Memphis team that I don't trust to put teams away is really the bottom line. Uh, total is 51. Cousin Jared, what do you have for us? Almost for the same reasons that we talked about before, I would lean towards the under in this game as well, just because I have no faith in Temple's offense. Uh, you know, they shut out UMass, yes, but they only scored 28 points against UMass, which that is saying something with, with how yeah. bad UMass's yeah. defense is. So uh, I would definitely lean towards the under in this spot. And, and uh, man, it, trying to pick a, a side on this game is, is tough. I kind of agree. 19 and a half points seems like a lot uh, when, you know, Memphis is probably going to have. 
run away with this fairly early and Temple's going to have tons of opportunities to score late. So, I mean, I would probably lean towards Temple, but goodness, uh, not one you want to be heavily invested in, as we say. Yeah, definitely. Jake, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm avoiding this from a side perspective. Like, I, I don't I don't trust Memphis defense to do anything to slow Temple down, but also don't take trust Temple's offense to take advantage of that. Yeah. So I, I don't know what, which one of those has to give, but something does. Uh, but so I kind of lean under because I typically throw the advantage to a defense in that situation, but I'm not making a play here. I don't trust either team to do what they're supposed to do one way or the other. So I'm just staying as far away from this one. All right. Also at noon Eastern Illinois, Wisconsin, a Wisconsin team that's struggled, uh, not quite lived up to expectations falling outside of my top 25 Illinois, just inside the top 50. I, I think this is an interesting matchup because Wisconsin's underperformed. I think Illinois is overperformed. I think they've done a little bit better than what we thought they would do necessarily, or they've at least been maybe at the upper end of our expectations for them. Right. And yet Wisconsin's still the better team and at home. Uh, the question is, of course, can they win by more than seven? I'm going to grab the seven points with Illinois. A sideline says 7.3, so it says touchdown's a pretty good number here. Uh, this is one that uh, on Sunday, this was hanging around nine for a long time. You could have grabbed more than a touchdown. I like that a lot more. I just think about Illinois' defense and Wisconsin's offense, and I'm just not sure how Wisconsin's going to score. And asking to win by more than a touchdown just seems like a lot. And obviously, they can have a special teams touchdown or a defensive touchdown. But I, I just I just have a hard time seeing Wisconsin moving the ball successfully enough to win by double digits, which is what you're asking if you're laying seven points here. So I'm going to grab the seven with Illinois. It's only a C-grade pick. I'm leaving myself the room for in case this gets up to seven and a half, I can put that second unit on it because I'd really like to be outside a touchdown. Would have liked that number on Sunday at nine, but at seven, I still think it's the side I'd rather be on, uh, but I'm not confident enough in Illinois doing anything either. Because uh, you're the total, this one's 43. I, I feel like this is an underspot because I just don't know who's going to score points in this one. Uh, is 43, though, too low for you to take the under here? Um, no, if you feel led to play the under, I think that 43 is still an okay to, to play the under on. Um, so, you know, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. Me personally, I, I think it's, a, it's slightly too low for me to make a play on it. But, but if you feel led, I, I wouldn't uh, discourage you from doing that. Um, this is going to be short and sweet for me. Everything that you just said, I completely agree with. If I had to lean one way or the other, I'd take the seven points with Illinois, just because like, I think points are going to be at a premium in this game. Jake. Yeah, I'm I'm leaning Illinois here. I'm not officially making a play. I'm waiting for that seven and a half. I want that seven and a half. I'll probably play it on seven at, on Saturday if it stays there. But right now I'm waiting on that. I, I mean, Wisconsin, I'm not sure what to make of them. I mean, Washington State came in there and, and beat them in their house. Ohio State just embarrassed them. Their two wins came against the bottom tier of FBS. Like, I'm hurts is – I don't know who decided that he was a good quarterback at what level – but he's not there, uh, and he just lost his third-best receiver and best tight end. So I'm not sure where their offense happens because Illinois' defense is pretty stout against the run. They're letting in around yeah. 100 yards a game, and, I mean, they've not played great competition, but it's not been terrible. So, I mean, I, like I said, I'll, I'll take Illinois at seven, but I'm hoping to get to the seven and a half. So I'll I'll tweet it out, put it in the Discord when I jump on it. But right now, just hoping to see point five show up. Yeah, I, it just – it. It feels like 
Wisconsin at least finally playing a middle tier team, but that's what we would have thought about Washington State. It's obviously the, the, the jury's still out on them. I mean, they looked pretty solid against Oregon. Probably still should have lost. Got lucky with lucky good, whatever you want to call it, right? With the red zone stops um, in, in covering that game. Uh, but yeah, this will this will be another good chance for us to learn about Wisconsin, see kind of maybe where they rank up. It should be a competitive, interesting football game. I'm not sure it'll be the most fun to watch, but I mean, hey, total is 43. So you kind of know what you're, what you're getting here coming into yeah. this one, and it won't be the most entertaining game. Is um, Wisconsin the West? Are they West? Are they? Yeah, yeah. yeah they're West. Yeah. They, they, if they lose this one, they, they're, their season might be lost. From they're they're going to have a really point. tough time. I mean, Minnesota's obviously in the driver's seat, and then I think Iowa's yeah. schedule is the next easiest. So, I mean, at this point, Wisconsin's already in yeah. a tough spot, given their tougher schedule compared to those two. Yeah. Um, speaking of Big Ten and games that might not be the most entertaining in the world, total of 42.5 out in Iowa. Well, they will play the Michigan Wolverines. Michigan, a disappointing effort against Maryland. Still rated fourth, though, according to sideline. Iowa sits at 30th. You know, this Iowa team, they got to the over last week. We talked about this in the last episode. They two defensive, two defensive <laughs> touchdowns. Um, oh you know, and, and we've seen it last year with this Iowa team. They, they, they kind of find ways to get turnovers, and, and some of that is luck. Sometimes where the ball bounces is, is, is luck, but sometimes that's skill, right? It's stripping the ball, maybe skill, recovering the ball, luck, right? Putting yourself in better position for the interceptions, maybe that's skill. You know, a, a deflected ball lands in your lap, that's luck. Right? So it's a little bit of both, but I mean, Iowa gets those turnovers. It's been the recipe for success. We saw this game play out last year in the Big Ten title game, though, and it did not work out well for them. Michigan just had their way with Iowa. A rematch here, two teams that are, I don't know, kind of similar to what they were last year, relatively speaking. This one in Iowa, though, may help a little bit as opposed to a you know neutral site um, for a title game here. I'm going to grab the 11 with Iowa, but it's only a C-grade play for me. I just have flashbacks to that title game last year where Michigan – you know, Iowa hung in there for a while, but I, if I remember correctly, it was towards like the end, maybe middle of the second quarter, Michigan had a couple of big plays, and then it was just lights out. It was just nothing. Iowa was not going to be able to move the ball against Michigan. This is another one where I really have to say I like this under 42 and a half. I just don't see who's going to score. I don't see Iowa score like they did last year. I don't see Michigan putting up a lot of points. This Iowa defense is pretty good. Um, I feel like there might not be 40 points combined between Illinois, Wisconsin, and Michigan. I want to throw it out there. I'm going to put it out there. There might not be 40 points combined between those four games or four teams. Um, that's my bold prediction. Uh, Cousin Jared, what, what do you got? I feel like you had a great breakdown of this game. My question was going to be is, will Iowa's bullshit work against Michigan? Like that, that was kind of what I yeah. was wondering. Um, yeah. So here's the deal. I just don't know if – I, I don't know who's going to score in, in this yeah. game. I think it's going to be tough on both sides. The thing is, is that Michigan really grounds, uh, you know, grinds it out on the ground. And I think that that is going to prohibit Iowa from getting some of those turnovers. They usually get those interceptions and everything. I think you're a lot less, obviously a lot less likely to get a pick six against Michigan than, than you are against other teams just because they run the ball so much. So I, I'm kind of going to go contrarian here with such a low total in this game. I think I would lay the points with Michigan mm. if I had to take a side, just because you mentioned that Big Ten championship game last year, 
And if if Iowa doesn't get those turnovers, what is this game going to be like for yeah. them? So um, I, I know what you know. It seems logical to take this many points in a total a game with a total this low, um, but man, it, I, I just kind of feel like this is the time to go contrarian and, and lay the points with Michigan. Yeah, I don't think that's a crazy take at all, uh, Jake. What do you got? Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you here. I, I'm actually going to play this because I don't I don't know what to make of Michigan either. Like, and I just said that about the Wisconsin, but. I mean, Maryland, like, what? I'm not sure. What What did that tell you more? Was it more that Maryland does a decent offense or Michigan's defense isn't as good as what we thought? Like, because, I, I mean, Maryland said here's seven points off the kick, and then yeah. well, and that ended up being the difference. Yeah, basically played them pretty even after that. Yeah, and, I mean, so I'm not sure what that told me more. And they needed yeah. every bit of the, what, 250 yards Quorum had. They needed every, every step of it to win that game. And – you're not going to get that against Iowa. He's not going to go for 250 or whatever. Probably not, no. So, so I'm real nervous about Michigan passing game because McNamara scared me. But, man, I just don't trust all, like Iowa to score. And Michigan and has a great coach in Harbaugh, and he's probably been on them all week. And they're, they're not going to make the dumb mistakes and throw the throw the game away and give Iowa those defensive touchdowns. So, I I don't know. I'm staying away. I would lean Michigan, but right now I'm staying away. Because, Jared, I feel like you had something you wanted to add there. Is is Harbaugh going to let him throw the ball? Because that, like I said, that would eliminate a lot of of these things if he just runs Corum, you know, 30 times or or something that that may prohibit some of the turnovers. So, uh, that's what what he did against Maryland. Maryland. Yeah. 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 Uh, 2 p.m. Eastern, Northern Illinois and Ball State. Sideline says this should be Northern Illinois minus four. I've got them about 20 spots higher, uh, according to the model. Neither team, uh, obviously, very good. Uh, I've been only the three and a half with Northern Illinois, though. I think they're the better team. I think they need to go on the road and win. It's just a C grade pick, though, because the, the hook. If I could lay three, I'd feel a lot better about this one. Uh, obviously, we know Northern Illinois has played in a lot of tight games. Yeah, maybe that's wearing off. A lot of that was probably some weird randomness and luck, right? So, I, and I don't yeah. necessarily think that'll continue. At some point, they're going to win a game by fourteen, and and you know they're going to start winning games and losing games by fourteen, and we'll just be like, yeah, they're like a normal football team. Um, yeah. But it's just the hook here that, that that going on the road and winning in a conference game when you're not extremely good is not the easiest thing to do. So if they win by three, they'll be happy. And I wouldn't be. So it's a C grade pick for me at three and a half. It'd be a B grade pick laying three, uh, but I just think that the better team, they go on the road. I get it done. I just don't want a back ball state. Cause I just don't think getting a field goal is enough in this one uh, for them. Total of 59 and a half. Cousin Jared, what do you have to say? I would also lean towards laying the points of Northern Illinois. And I, I, maybe the most impressed I've been with Northern Illinois and we know how much I loved them last year was how they kind of hung, hung around in the game against Kentucky the, this past week. Cause Kentucky, you know, it's kind of a, a strength on strength matchup there. And obviously you would expect that Kentucky would just have a lot better, better athletes and they'd be able to kind of just push them all around the field. And, and Kentucky didn't do that uh, for, for most of the game. Northern Illinois hung in there pretty tight. So um, I, even though they lost, I, I was pretty impressed with, with Northern Illinois. So I, I would lean towards laying the points too, but you always know, Northern Illinois high odds being in a one, uh, you know, a one score game, and so the hook may may get you. Don't be surprised if it gets you on this one, mm-hmm. Jake. Yeah, I'm I'm going with sideline and taking the three and a half here. I really like this Northern Illinois team. I I took them with Kentucky and didn't expect the game to be that close, and that ended up being great. And yeah. I was back to Ball State last time, and they they kind of burnt me. They just they had it, they had it, and then like right right there at the end. And so I think. We'll see something like that in Northern Illinois. will win this one late, and 
I mean, Northern Illinois had a good chance to win that until they figured out they had better athletes on the outside and let Will Levis just throw it and say, go get it. And that's, that's the only reason really they, they just didn't have the horses to keep up with those receivers and that the game kind of went away. And they still only lost about, I mean, technically one score, if you want to call it eight points, one score, but uh, so oh, man, I, I really like this one a little to me, especially this spot. All right, so you're you're laying the three and a half with Illinois with me. All right, uh, two p.m. Eastern. You can tell by the weird start time. This is a Pac-12 game. Uh, a, a Pac-12 network. Uh, Oregon yeah. State at Utah. Uh, total of fifty-four and a half on this one. Utah is a ten-point favorite. I'm going to lay the ten with Utah. Sideline says thirteen point seven. So it's thirteen and a half or fourteen is the right number here. So I like that we're laying ten. It's a common number, so you could have that push. Uh, land on ten. It's, it's a lot better than ten and a half. Uh, so it's a bigger pick for me back in Utah. I still have concerns with Utah, but the the way that they beat Arizona State last week, um, they only covered by one score, but they looked like they were playing with their food the whole time. They just they didn't really need to do much. They kind of took control from the very start. And I just I I, I think my concerns with Utah are a little bit of just they just haven't taken the car out of the garage yet. So I, I think mm-hmm. this is the week that we see that. They they know that Oregon State's a better team than you know, Arizona State was last week. Um, so I, I, you know, and, and then some of the other teams that Utah's played this year ever since the season opener. So I just think that this is more of a, my fears about Utah, very good chance that they're alleviated this week because this is the time to really show your opens, especially against a good Oregon State secondary that did hold USC down. But I, I, I watched the game. I, I tweeted about this. I got the, the free trial of Fubo for a week just to watch that game. Um, what I saw from that was a little bit of Oregon State has a good pass defense. What I saw from it was a little bit of just bad play from Caleb Williams. Some of the throws he made just were a little questionable. And so part of that was, part of that was, A, USC was a missed field goal away from covering that game. And part of it was, I just think a better quarterback or a more consistent quarterback, or if good Caleb Williams shows up that night or whatever, things are a little bit different. So I'm I'm reticent to say Oregon State's going to really shut down Utah. I think Utah's got a really good defense. I don't see Oregon State doing much against them, and I think Utah will open up the playbook a little bit this week and can score. I think they can handle Oregon State. I think this is kind of another week where they try to show that they are worthy of the playoff. We've been talking about after that week one loss, that's kind of their mission every week is to show that they're worthy of it. They are a really good team. They just have to avoid the fate of all the Pac-12 teams and or almost all in the last decade, which has been all of them beating up on each other and shooting themselves in the foot and missing out on the playoff. If they can avoid that fate, they are a really good team. I think they could take care of business this week. I'm going to lay the 10 with Utah. Be a great pick. Cousin Jared, what do you got? I would also lean towards uh, laying the points with Utah. I think potentially a letdown spot for Oregon State after the high of almost beating USC, all, a lot of effort going into that game. And then Salt Lake City just being a tough place to, to go in and, and play. So I would lean towards laying yeah. the points as well. I'm looking at this total, though, and if this gets to 55, this is potential underplay for me. I don't know how you could uh, watch the Oregon State game last week. Number yeah. one, I, I know you mentioned the Caleb Williams didn't have the best game, but still Oregon State's defense played well. Uh, but on the flip side, Chance Nolan, quarterback for Oregon State, did not yes. look that great, and I think yes. Utah could give him problems just like USC's. Uh, yes, that's what I, absolutely what I was saying. I, I don't think Oregon State's going to score that many points. Yeah, and so if this gets to 55, you know, such a key number, I don't, I don't want to lay, you know, play under 40, 54 and a half. I'd rather just wait and play under 55 and he's too, still feel strongly about it you know there's no real difference between like 54 and like 53 or 52 even so uh if this gets 55 this would be a potential underplay yep jake yeah i'm 
I'm lo- I'm loving this Utah team, and I wonder before I get too much into this, uh, how much of that was the, like you think coaches trying to figure out what the new coach at Arizona State was going to do with his toys, like with the, playing with the food, like because I I when I was watching it, they looked a little hesitant at first with what they wanted to do, so I was thought maybe he was trying to fill out what what was going on there. But I, I mean, it could be anytime anytime you're a first game against a new coaching staff, you don't really know what's going to happen. So I mean. It, it could absolutely be some of that. I'm not really sure what they're uh, what they're trying to do, and or if it was just a kind of like just feeling about, just kind of like we should be able to go in and win this game. We're a lot better than them. We just don't want to, you know, we don't want to script our best for our our first 15 plays aren't supposed to be our best 15 this game, right? Uh, like they might be against a, a stronger yeah. opponent. Yeah, it's, I mean, Oregon State's defense really showed me something. Even like look at us, I read through the play-by-play type stuff and things. Definitely need to watch it. Uh, but I, I was it, to me, it really seemed it was more of Caleb Williams having an off night with title two, but, but their defense really forcing it. And then Nolan throwing the four picks. Their offense was it, that was rough. And I mean, they let Die go for 140 yards. And I mean, he's a very very good running back. And I think Utah's got one very similar in Thomas and then they've got a backup and he Thomas I don't know why he sat out half the game or three quarters of the game but I never saw anything happen but they just randomly put him in like the late third quarter early fourth and he took off and, <laughs> and put up a pretty good number uh, and then rising is very good he's got a really good tight end they are this Utah team is going to be ready to play and I think it is a mean trick what uh the Pac-12 did here to Oregon State to have to prepare for these two teams in back-to-back weeks yeah. is tough because it is complete opposite style. Yeah, it, it one I, very- I, I thought you were going to say did them wrong by putting them on the Pac-12 network two weeks in a row. Hey, oh, hey, but I mean, it's like that's that's got that's in, that's got to be really tough and going from one where it's you're worried about giving up deep bombs every three and a half seconds to one where you got to worry about the five-yard run that's coming down your mouth. Uh, so and I, and I you talked him. about you talked about USC running the ball and that Caleb Williams can't run. I'm sure he could, but that's not the game plan with him, right? The game plan is to let him throw and have a passing attack and don't let him get hurt and that sort of thing. And so he scrambles every once in a while, but for the most part, he's very cautious of running. But Utah is going to let Rising yeah. run the ball, and that adds an extra element that's going to be harder for Oregon State to defend. Like you said, it's just a completely different look that uh, having. I don't want to say having a quarterback that can run because I don't want to take anything away from Caleb Williams. Having a quarterback that you're not afraid to let him run willing, as part of your game run, plan. Willing to run, right? Yeah, or, you know, want wanting to run yeah. maybe the right for, but yeah. you know, there's something there. <laughs> but I think that that just makes it even tougher for Oregon State. I just think it goes worse for Oregon State this week than it did last week, obviously. And as as we point out, the location being opposite affects that as well. Uh, 3.30 Eastern, Virginia Tech at North Carolina. A sideline says this should be North Carolina minus eight and a half. Virginia Tech, obviously not a very good football team, but I'm going to grab the eight and a half with Virginia Tech under the rule we've talked about this year, which is with North Carolina, their defense is so bad that if they are more than a touchdown underdog, you should take them with the points because they can score and stay in any game. And if they are more than a touchdown favorite, you should take you should fade them and take the points with the other team because they're going to keep the other team in the game. I'm grabbing the eight and a half with Virginia Tech because as bad as Virginia Tech is, we saw what that North Carolina defense could do for Notre Dame. Why wouldn't it do the same thing for Virginia Tech? I think last week I had an A-grade play on Notre Dame. I really liked them, thought they were good enough to beat North Carolina. I don't think Virginia Tech is good enough to win this game, but I think North Carolina's defense is bad enough to allow a backdoor cover. 
and, and just give up enough points. It keeps Virginia Tech in this game. So I'm going to grab the eight and a half. But Virginia Tech kind of scares me. So it's only a C-grade pick. It's one, again, to diversify the portfolio. I think it's the wiser move to grab the points. But it's not one I want to be heavily invested in because I don't trust Virginia Tech at all. But uh, like I said, I also don't trust North Carolina's defense. So it's just a lot of not trusting in this one. Uh, a total of 51 and a half. I feel like we got to be thinking over here, right? I mean, just kind of like we talked about with North Carolina, they're going to give up, they're going to score points, they're going to give up points. I don't know why this total is so low. Maybe, Cousin Jerry, maybe you have an answer for me here. No, I don't have an answer. Uh, and and there's very little that I am completely confident about, but I am completely confident that North Carolina's defense is really, really bad. So official yeah. play for me here, I'm going to be on the over 51 and a half. Uh, just be aware you got to lay a little extra juice right now. It's minus 120 to go over the 51 and a half, which I'm fine with. Okay. 52 is a very key number, so I'm fine with paying the extra dime there to to, to get that key number. Another way to, to look at this is 52 is seven touchdowns and a field goal. Is a game involving North Carolina going to have at least seven touchdowns and one field goal on the edge? Yes. Yes. yes, it is going to. Uh, so I feel really good about the over here. The the other thing I would say, and let me just acknowledge this, that I mentioned it on maybe both episodes earlier this week. Virginia Tech's offense is is bad, but they have had a few extra days. Played Thursday last week. They had a few extra days to prepare. I'm sure they're going to come out with a, a, a little extra tricks, maybe change up a you know an offensive. I have no. I'm just making this up. Change up an offensive line. They have more time to think about it. And I promise you, North Carolina's defense has plenty on tape that Virginia Tech can try to exploit. And, and so um, I, I I don't know why this total is what it is. Play the over here, folks. Yeah, and I was going to say, I, I don't even think it's about tricks. I think it's there's a lot of tape that shows you exactly what to do, and now you've got extra days to say, here's what we need to do, which yeah. honestly is kind of like called just go play football, but whatever, right? Yeah. They've got a, they've got extra days to watch the tape and learn how to play football, which should yeah. be a success to score points on North Carolina without bad bet defenses. Uh, Jake, what do you Virginia Tech struggles to play football. It's why it's only a C grade pick for me. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm on the over. I can't really add much to what Jared said. There's, I'm on it. I just, we've seen that North Carolina can put up 100 and also make a high school offense put up 150 if they want to. Yeah. Uh, it's, I don't know. They've, got, I was looking through the stats. They've got eight receivers already with over 100 yards on the year. May's got 1,200 plus yards and 16 oh. touchdowns. It's these ridiculous numbers, and I, I don't want. Here, I don't see Virginia Tech getting getting in this way. I think fifty one is way too low, so or fifty one and a half is way too low. I think this was gets closer to sixty. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, also at three thirty Eastern, Wake Forest and Florida State. So I think it says Florida State minus six point one. I'm going to grab the seven with Wake. It's a B grade pick. Uh, Wake impressed me last week against Clemson. I think they have a similar recipe here for Florida State, and that they can hang in this game. Florida State really banged up still have had has had really bad injury luck um obviously you know not really having to play against boston college last week helps you get a little bit healthier but it, it feels like we're you know one more injury away from just being really thin in a lot of spots for florida state it's just an uncomfortable position to be in i just think seven's too many i'm gonna grab the seven with wake forest i think like i said really it's just a carbon copy of what they did against clemson if they could score off that Clemson defense, they should be able to score off a of Florida State's defense. They're going to allow some points. It should be a shootout. 63 and a half seems like a pretty well-priced total in that it's high, and it makes me think I want to go over, but I'm like, ooh, that's really high, and that at least I think makes a lot of sense. I think there should be a lot of points in that, and that's what being on the on the other side of what would our key number around here be? Probably 62 would be our, our key-ish number, I would think. And so yeah, 
And above that number is like, oh, it's making you think a little bit. I think there'll be a lot of points. So it's just a shootout where I'm not sure either team can stop each other, really. I'm going to grab the seventh Wake Forest to be a great pick for me. Because, uh, Jared, what do you got? I would also lean towards taking the touchdown with Wake Forest here. Dave Clawson is a great coach. I think he's going to have his team ready to go. And, you know, not necessarily a letdown spot, but, you know, they probably feeling they should have won that game against Clemson last week. And so just some bad feelings there. Uh, but what I would say more importantly than that is that, I think Wake Forest is going to challenge Florida State in a way that Florida State has not yet been challenged this year by the teams they played. I mean, Louisville's offense can be good, but it's more of a ground attack. And Wake Forest is just going to, with Sam Hartman, is just going to throw it all over the field. So uh, I think that Wake Forest's offense is going to present some problems uh, that, that Florida State is going to struggle with. So, you know, does that mean they win the game? I don't know, but I think a touchdown is too much. And I, I feel like, are you like me? I'm, I'm looking at the total saying if I could go over 62, I would. 63 and a half yeah. just feels a little bit high. But 60, if, yeah, if, if we saw 62, that that feels like an over spot, right? Definitely, definitely. Yeah. All right, Jake. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching that total too. I'm, I'm hoping it gets around that 62 so I can play over that. But I, I'm, I'm with sideline here, the Wake Forest plus a touchdown. I'm, I'm not exactly sure why this is at a touchdown because I don't think that Clemson game took that much out of Wake Forest and Florida State hasn't got that kind of defense. I mean, I, I think – because I think that Clemson game really said more about Sam Hartman and that Wake Forest offense mm-hmm. than it did the Clemson defense. Like, and man, he is something special to watch. The fact that he really didn't practice all summer and then just came up and like, all right, I'm going to go throw throw for a hundred touchdowns and, and by missing the first game, uh, and it's just crazy. Uh, I, man, I need I meant to look it up, but I really, I want to know what the years these uh, receivers for Florida State is because man. If you're looking at that trio with Pittman, uh, Wilson, uh, on both the Wilson guys, Johnny and or the Johnny and Ontario and Micah Pittman, that those three receivers, if they're able to stay around for another year or two, that Florida State could be very deadly. But I just don't think it they're quite there yet to put away, put away uh, Wake Forest by over a touchdown. So I'm going to take the seven points in the pocket here. I think you said it really well. I agree with you. I think that that Wake, that Wake Clemson game said more about Wake Forest offense and Clemson's defense. And it was a good test for Wake because entering last week, we had two games of Wake, uh, Wake's offense with Hartman back. And we saw one really good game and one really bad questionable game. And so now having that, well, which Wake is going to be real? We kind of thought that that might have just been a, a rough, unlucky, bad, whatever uh, game there in his second game. And then sure enough, bouncing back with a good performance against Clemson makes you feel a little more confident. That was just the blip in the radar that, that, that him and that offense are really rolling. And if that's the case, like like we're all kind of thinking that seven, probably just too many points there. Uh, Yes. Like I said, sideline says six. That's exactly the number I make it at six. It's like, I don't know what to do with that because what could easily lose by seven, but if you give me the full touchdown, I think it's a smart investment there to grab all seven. I mean, your, your biggest fear is Florida State figures out the, they need to run the ball the whole time and controls it, keeps it out, keeps Hartman on the sideline, but I don't think they're good enough running the ball to do that. And Wake Forest probably just scores super quick and then gives Florida State the ball back and then Wake Forest defense is tied. And then Florida State probably just can't help but run it right down their throat and anyway, because that's that's the way it's it's waking North Carolina are kind of similar in that regard, right? They they kind of just they score fast and their defense is out on the field quickly again and they give up points again, you know. <laughs> Um, 3.30 Eastern, Rutgers at Ohio State. This is the other opportunity where I'm going to actually fade the model. Uh, Sideline says it should be Ohio State minus 37 and a half, but we talked a lot this season. We talked about it all last season, uh, if you were with us for that, that the, the model just really struggles with these outliers, the teams at the very, very top and the very, very bottom, just knowing exactly how good they are. It tends to fade top teams. Uh, it's part of the reason why I love Alabama this week, because it's backing them, uh, despite loving Texas when they 
when Alabama played Texas earlier this season. And it's another spot here where the model says to fade Ohio State. But my goodness, this Ohio State team can score in a hurry. They don't – I mean, they have Michigan State next week, which isn't really a look-ahead spot at this point anymore. I mean, maybe two weeks ago we would have said it was, but now it isn't. It's a home game. It just feels like another spot where Ohio State probably puts up like 60 points. I mean, there's a, there's a realistic chance that they get to this total over by themselves. Rutgers obviously a decent defense, but I feel like Ohio State could score off of any defense that's not in the NFL at this point. Uh, I'm going to lay the 40 with Ohio State, but only a C-grade pick. It's way too many points to feel confident about. But I just think their offense at this point is really just on a different level, unlike any other team in college football. So I'm going to lay the 40 with Ohio State. I think they win more like by 45. Uh, Total is 59. Cousin Jared, what do you think? What I would say is, is Rutgers just a much worse version of Wisconsin? And, yeah. and the answer is is yes. We we give we give Graham Mertz a lot of hell, uh, but he's better than a quarterback yeah. that that Rutgers has playing right now. So yeah. I I can't, I can't believe I'm saying this. I said you know his name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I can't believe I'm saying this, but I would lean towards laying forty points with, with Ohio State because, like, I mean, they I feel like they're just going to score at, at will again. Yeah. And if Jim Leonard's defense at Wisconsin can't slow Ohio State down, Rutgers doesn't stand a chance. Right. That's, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was looking at this and uh, analyzing this game and the you know, model says 37 and a half. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to grab 40 points. I was like, wait a minute. Like my pitch for taking, and I'm not saying that Ohio State for sure wins. We're talking about no locks and gambling, but my pitch for Rutgers covering this is like, well, Ohio State's not going to win every game by 50 points. Are they? And I'm like, no, oh, but they'll probably win this one by 50. Like I it just doesn't, yeah, this yeah. doesn't seem like the spot where it's going to, you just never know. Right. And, and the right. more the ball bounces, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I just, feels like a spot that Rutgers just doesn't really stand a chance in this one, not just yeah. of winning. Obviously we all think that, but it doesn't feel like they stand a chance of keeping this close. Uh, right. I, I really feel like Toledo and Wisconsin, the last two weeks presented challenges, potential challenges for Ohio state that if either one of those teams couldn't keep it close. Yeah. What's what, what's, what's Rutgers going to do? What's Rutgers going to do, right? That doesn't mean that Michigan can't do it. I'm just saying that if we're talking about, you know, mediocre yeah. teams, Wisconsin with that defense and Toledo with the way that we expected them to be able to move the ball and play quicker or whatever, like two very different attacks and neither one of them stood a chance. I'm like, I don't see how Rutgers does any better. So uh, Jake, what what is your take on this one? Uh, There's nothing I want in this game. Uh, Rutgers doesn't deserve to be on the same field. (laughs) It's all about what Ohio State wants to do. And uh, so I'm just staying far away from it because I I don't know if they want to win by 90 or if they want to be nice. I, I don't know. Yeah, based off what I've seen, I don't think the answer is nice, but um, we'll see, obviously, on Saturday. Uh, a game that I think uh, Cousin Jared wants no part of here, Texas A&M at Mississippi State. Um, you know, we talked about the uh, injury issue at wide receiver for A&M potentially affecting this line a little bit. This is another one that uh, sideline says 4.8 is what this one should be uh, – what the spread should be in this one. This was two and a half on Sunday. I would have loved like under a field goal here. Mississippi State at home, uh, pretty good home field advantage. A Texas A&M team that I just don't think is, they're just too one dimensional in a way that I think that Mike Leach can stop. Um, I, I just think Mississippi State's too good at home. I'm going to lay the three and a half. It's a B grade pick. It's not an A grade pick just because I wish it was three. But to some extent, I look at this and I think I feel like I'm overthinking it wanting the field goal. And I think Mississippi State might win this one by double digits. This feels like a game that kind of finishes in the 28 to 17 range. 
Uh, totals 44 and a half. And, and I just, I just don't know how A&M scores enough points to win this game or cover this game unless they can get a running back diving over the goal line at the four yard line, grab the ball and then lateral it down the field and get a touchdown. Like that's, I think their only hope. And I, I think they, use that that up. they, but they used it last week. Mississippi state is looking out for that play now. So I just don't think they can <laughs> use that play here. I think A&M has good win against Arkansas, I guess. I just think Mississippi state's a better team and on the road. I just think they can get it done. I'm like a three and a half be great pick for me on the bulldogs. Uh, Cousin Jared, what is your take on this one? Most of the time I try to think about what I'm going to say about these games before they actually come up. But when A&M games come up, I just go like stream of consciousness on, on, on this. So I, I think – Good or bad, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So I think Anaya Smith being out does warrant this number. I think it may have been like two and a half or three earlier in the week. I think Anaya Smith being out for the rest of the season does warrant this moving on the other side of three uh, just because he's such a big part of the, the A&M passing attack, which, you know, uh, has its issues to begin with. And, and so I, I think that that move is warranted – Man, I would feel a lot more comfortable taking the Mississippi State money line here as opposed to laying the points just because we've seen so many things with AM games, weird games. It could be safeties, missed extra points, you know, AM could kick five field goals. And, and so, you know, I just kind of feel that makes me a little uncomfortable. You know, the money line might be a safer play. As far as the total goes, this actually feels about right. Like, I feel like this game is going to be about 27 to 20 if if I had to guess. But, man, without uh, Smith being out there, I just think that the AM offense is going to have a really hard, really hard time. And, and this Leach offense challenges AM's defense in a way where it's just going to be paper cuts. It's exactly what App State did. App State did it on the ground. You know, they they ran for three and a half yards every single play. Uh, and Mike Leach is going to do with a short, with a short yeah, passing yeah, game. Exactly. It's going to be four or five yards over and over and over again. And it ain't a mistr- again, struggle with that with, with App State. And so a different variety, but same type thing. I think they're going to struggle the same way here. So uh, I say this is going to be 27-20 Mississippi State. All right, Jake, what do you think? Yeah, props to Jimbo for trying to fix his left tackle issue by putting in a left-handed quarterback. And so just take away the blind side ability there. You're like, well, just move it to the other side. Props to him. Yeah. I mean, let's take it on your feet. Uh, yep. I'm not sure that fixed it. It still doesn't look good. Take out their top receiver. Not sure where the offense comes from. I mean, A-Chain is incredible, but he needed a, some very long runs to make his number look good against Arkansas, and Arkansas's defense isn't great. I just, like you said, I don't think Texas A&M can score the points here. And Mississippi State puts an offensive pressure on you like whether you realize it or not, that you, you go thinking into the game, you think you have to score more, and I, I don't see where Texas A&M does it. I'm, I'm going to take Mississippi State here. Uh, I'm, I want the field goal. One of the one of the three, but three and a half. Can, you know, be be a little mad about it, but uh, um, I just I really don't see where because Texas A&M didn't deserve to win that. I'm sorry, Jerry, they didn't deserve to win that no. game. That weird fumble play, a field goal, it hits the top of the uh, field goal post. Like, yeah. I, I would be bothered by that, except the team that deserves to win the AM Arkansas game never wins the game. So that just kind of goes <laughs> along with, with that series. Yeah. But, uh, anyway, that's all right. All right. I'm, I'm trying to not let my Arkansas, I mean, being high on Arkansas in the season total here, get in my way. But I'm, I'm, I'm liking Mississippi State this one. All right, also the SEC, LSU at Auburn, 7 p.m. Eastern kickoff. LSU up to ranked 11th, according to Sideline. Auburn down to 56th. I'm going to lay the 9 with LSU. Sideline says it should be 11.7. 
I just think this Auburn team isn't very good. We saw it against Missouri. We saw it against Penn State. Uh, I, I just think LSU's solid, and I think they're going to go into Auburn and kick the crap out of them. We talked uh, in the season preview episode about the SEC East. It was going to be a really tough division, really interesting to see who really fell out. And there, there was talk of maybe it would be LSU, or maybe it was talk about, you know, we didn't know about the Mississippi State. There was talk about some different teams, and we didn't really know who would kind of fall on the bottom. It looks pretty clear it's Auburn. And, it, you know, at the beginning of the season, we thought they might be in the mix with some of those other teams, but it looks like they're just really far behind. I think LSU gets this done. I can, I think they can win by double digits. Uh, I think they're pretty comparable to Penn State, and we saw Penn State just dominate Auburn. I don't see how it's that much different in this one, so I'm going to take LSU minus nine, be great pick. Totals 46. Uh, Cousin Jared, what do you think? Definitely, you want to look eye the the under here, right? Because how is Auburn going to score? But I would actually um, feel safer laying the points with LSU, just because you know, depending on how the game plays out, you know, Auburn could get some garbage time touchdowns or you know some something like that because this total is so low. Uh, I feel better about LSU covering that number based on Auburn not scoring than I am saying that, you know, LSU is not going to score a bunch of points or maybe Auburn's on something crazy that would, uh, you know, put this, put this game over at, at when it ends. So uh, I would lean towards definitely laying the points with LSU more than anything else in this game. Jake. Yeah. I'm taking LSU with the points here. They're, Auburn's coming off a weird and very unlikely win. Took a, a missed extra point range field goal and then a running back forgetting the hold on the ball as he went to win the game. <laughs> or tie yeah, the game. He just, he just yeah. dropped it. Yeah. He just dropped it. I mean, so I, I don't know that switching the quarterback helped because I, I don't know that there's a difference between Finley and uh, Ashford. Like I don't know that I could even tell you that, tell you that they were any different if I watched him play. I think I think one's younger. Uh, that's good. So one's got more time to improve. That's good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they lost the race to fire their coach to Georgia Tech, so. They're still they're behind there, so they're losing everything, and I think that continues. And LSU is going to win this by double digits. <laughs> right, seven thirty Eastern Virginia at Duke. Uh, Sideline says this should be Duke minus one point four. Neither one of these teams is great. Both of them have had um, potential. Duke on the rise, Virginia dropping a little bit here, and not as impressive. But I I, I wonder. Virginia kind of figured something out a little bit in that second half of that Syracuse game. It was a tale of two halves last week. They looked really bad to start, and then they kind of maybe found something. And we know that the potential is there for this Virginia team, this Virginia offense, to be competent. They're obviously going up against a tough defense here. I don't trust either team to win by more than a field goal. If this game was in Virginia and Duke was plus three, take Duke plus three. Just because I think if you're giving me a field goal in a game where I don't trust either team, I don't really know what's going to happen. Both teams have a lot of question marks. Give me the field goal. Uh, to be a great pick on Virginia, I'm kind of banking on maybe they figured something out here this last week. Total of 49. Uh, Cousin Jared, what do you think? I think I'm undefeated on Duke picks this year. Um, and the problem with that is, is I have no idea on this game. Mm-hmm. I would advise you to stay away because I cannot get a Which field goal. I'm taking the field goal because yeah, who the heck yeah. knows? Take a field goal, right? <laughs> well, and, and I do think it's going to be a close game. I don't think that uh, Virginia's offense has shown us enough to, to say that they're going to be able to you know pull away in this game. And again, I, I've, I've talked ad nauseum about you kind of highlighted what I think about them this season. So um, I would probably lean towards taking the three points too, just because who knows what happens, but I, I don't have any, any feel on this game a, a, at all. 
Jake? I want to take Duke. I'm not 100% sold on it. I, I just think Elko's got that team. Like, he's, his defense immediately improved. Like, it's just his presence seemed to improve it. But, like, the offense is playing well. They've got Riley Leonard's having a good year. He made the genius call to move uh, Waters – or, no, what was his name? Uh, Moore from QB to receiver, and now Moore leads the team in receptions and TDs. And is still listed as a quarterback. So, I mean, I don't know if that's just trying to trick other teams to make them prepare for him a different way. Uh, they've got two decent running backs. Uh, but I, if it moves under three, I'm, I'm going to take Duke right now. I'm, I just don't trust him to win by, by more than a field goal, and I don't want to play for a push. Uh, so I'm, I'm staying away from it. I mean, you might be on to something that they might have figured out, might have figured out how to use BJ Armstrong in the second half there, but. I don't. I want to see more than a half of a game with it, which doesn't seem that complicated. But what do I know? Yeah, they shouldn't have to figure that out, people. No, yeah. that should be pretty straightforward. He's a very yeah. talented young man. Yeah. Um, so I want right. to see more than a half of it before I start believing in him. Yeah, yeah. that might have been an accident. Yeah, seven thirty Eastern, West Virginia at Texas. Is Quinn Ewers going to play? This is the third week in a row now that yeah. he would be suited up and there. Uh, you know, it, it seemed unlikely against UTSA the week before traveling to tech with a smaller travel roster seemed like it was more on the table. Obviously a conference road game one, you, you know, I don't say needed to win, but, but kind of needed to win. You think that's um, in Hudson Card's head? I have no idea if it's in Hudson like, Card's head. It would be really hard not to be like knowing the guy that beat you out is already dressed behind you. Like that's not a lot of faith when he's got a broken whatever. Who the heck knows? Uh, is he going to play this week? I have no idea. If he does, that's a huge boost to Texas because their offense becomes really difficult to stop. Whereas with Card, it's still a good offense, as we saw. I mean, they put up a lot of points against Tech. Uh, again, I think we talked about this. Uh, we covered Tech. Lowest win expectancy of the year for Tech winning that game. Texas defense, though, has some questions. They looked really good against Alabama, had the perfect game plan, had guys swarming to the ball, multiple game tackles, which is what you're looking for, multiple guys being able to, to bring a guy down. It's hard to tackle a guy in space, especially those guys like Alabama. They had that game plan down right, but that's the only game where that's been true. And they didn't look that bad against Tech in the first half, but Tech in the second half, running a bunch of plays, just trying to really wear them down, wore Texas defense down like crazy. And now everyone has the blueprint that is replicable. It's definitely a concern. I'm going to lay the nine and a half with Texas because it's on this side of 10. Sideline says it should be 9.6. just think 10 is the most likely outcome here. I'm hoping, thinking that Ewers plays. If he's traveling to Tech, he's got to be close. Now he's an extra week away, and that means this game's probably going to be a shootout. And I just think that Texas defense can get enough stops for them to cover this number. But if it's not Ewers in this one, I really think I'd rather have the 9.5 with West Virginia. That's why it's only a C-grade pick, because I just don't know who's going to play, and I don't really – it's really all about the quarterbacks. I think that I mean, he makes a big enough difference that I think he's the difference between making this spread, you know, 6.5 or 10.5. And so I, I know inside information here, just if he suited up and traveled to Lubbock, I feel like he's probably relatively close. I think he plays here. That makes their offense a little bit better. That's why I'm laying the nine and a half. If news comes out that he is going to play, this number is probably going to jump up in a hurry, and I want to get it before it crosses into double digits. If he's not going to play, 
like I said, I think grabbing more than a touchdown makes sense because I think West Virginia can hang in there if Texas offense isn't quite at that level. Total 61 and a half. Cousin Jared, what do you think? I am waiting as well for two reasons. Number one, I want to know if viewers is playing as well. And also, if this gets to 10, I'm probably going to be on West Virginia because last week I sat here and I begged Texas to show me that they were different. And guess what? It was absolutely nothing different. Same story. And- same story over again. And you highlighted last week specifically that, you know, the couple of games leading up to the Oklahoma game every year they've struggled. And yep. they, I believe they're going to have Oklahoma the, the week after this. Yep. And and what I just – and I mentioned it before. I, I told you all last season I was off West Virginia. I, I mentioned after the first couple of games I was not off on West Virginia. If they could just eliminate those turnovers, they could easily be undefeated at this point. And, uh, you know, they looked fine against Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's offense, we talked about that. But they looked fine against Virginia Tech. So um, I don't see any reason why – why West Virginia can't come in in here, keep this close uh, because of the spot that, you know, Texas the week before Oklahoma, because I am okay with what I've seen from West Virginia. And if Ewers doesn't play, then that's a cherry on top of all of that. So let's get this to 10. And then I would definitely be eyeing West Virginia. I will say though, I had Texas beaten tech, especially had they won in overtime. uh, Or I guess even if they had just won and and like they were supposed to last week when they were up at, at the half, then I would be a little bit more concerned about Texas covering this one being the yeah. high and mighty just went on the road and won at Tech and then OU next weekend, really a trap game. The fact that they lost makes me think Texas is more likely to show up for this week. But again, right. some of those defensive issues I'm not sure can get fixed in one week. And again, if it's Hudson Card, not a bad quarterback, just not that next level that makes that offense just really difficult to stop. Right. Uh, Jake, what's your take on this one? Yeah, I'm, I'm the same boat as Jared. I want West Virginia at 10. I'm waiting because of injuries because it's not just Quinn Ewers, who I, I tend to think he plays this game one because Oklahoma's next, too. Like, you don't want your first game to be the, that first game back to be that rivalry. So I think if he can go at all, he will. It's also Xavier Worthy, too. I think he makes a big difference in the receiver court. And yep. so how close to 100% is he? Does he play at all? Like, I, I don't know. That's a good point. But, um, I'm real – off right now in this game because I, I wanted at 10. I liked it. When it. I think it opened at 10 or 10 and a half and has been bet down. So and I like what uh, JT Daniels does. I've, I was kind of high on this West Virginia team. They they have the offense, the firepower to do this because, uh, I mean, B. John Robinson, he should be able to take over this game. But West Virginia's run defense isn't bad. It, like, and it's going to get some decent running backs and they've done well. Uh, I just I really wish this was still a ten because I wanted to play it, but can't right now. It's funny both of y'all say y'all with a ten, and I feel like I laid the nine and a half just because it wasn't ten. <laughs> right? yeah, it's almost, yeah. Like if I'm making a pick on everything, it's like, hey, it's on the right side of ten. Right? Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It's like we always talk about, right? It's you're playing teams and numbers, and number matters. Uh, at ten is, it's, I, I'm with you. It's a different story. Ten and a half, it's really a different story. At least ten, you talk about the push either way, but uh, ten and a half would really be a different story. But like I said, I think if viewers plays, I feel like he gets a ten and a half. Uh, if he doesn't, I feel like this should be seven. So it, it yeah. just depends on what we learn about that. We may not know until after kickoff. And at that point, that's been the way it's been the last two weeks. It's just been kind of like waiting at the very, very end. Uh, we'll, you know, maybe we'll find out at the very last second, but I'm, I'm like you, Jake, I, I tend to think he plays this week just because it seems, it seems like if he, if he's not able to play this week, then suiting him up and traveling to Lubbock last week seems a bit crazy to me. Yeah. Um, without understanding the exact science of how the injury works. It just seems like he should be ready to go. Uh, 7.30 Eastern, San Jose State at Wyoming. I'm going to grab the two and a half with Wyoming in what I think is a coin toss game. 
really wish it was three. It's only a C grade pick at two and a half. Maybe you look money line if you're interested in this. I just think I think San Jose State's the better team. Looked really good last week. Uh, Wyoming though has looked a lot better. Uh, you know, not great, but they're they're looking at least not terrible um, as of late here. I just think at home uh, it's a tough place to play because the altitude. San Jose State not used to the altitude. I think Wyoming can hang in there. Coin toss game. I don't know what's going to happen. So give me the two and a half points or the equivalent. Uh, money line, but it's one that I just would rather have a full field goal on. Totals 42 and a half, not expecting a lot of points. Should be a defensive slugfest here. Cousin Jared, what do you got? Sure. Take the points in this game. Like, you know, who knows what you're going to get with Wyoming. It's probably not going to be a super high scoring contest and there is the possibility for shenanigans. And so, you know, I I think two and a half probably has more value in a game like this than it does in in most, you know, games that function in a normal manner. Um, I would lean towards taking the points too. That's really all I got to say. Jake. Wish this was basketball because this would be an easy Wyoming pick. But (laughs) I can't, I can't make a play on this because I, I don't trust Wyoming to be what they need to be to keep it close. And then San, and San Jose State's kind of shown me a little little bit, but I haven't watched enough or read enough about them to really know. So I can't advise you on this game because I don't really care about either of these teams anymore. The total, if it was basketball, probably about 121, and we probably would take the under as well. Now yeah. too. Oh, easy. easy. <laughs> 8 p.m. Eastern, the game of the week, Florida International and New Mexico State. Um, Y'all, I, 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 New Mexico State is a 14 and a half point favorite against an FBS school in the year of our Lord 2022. I, I, I don't, I have, I have no words. And the craziest, stupidest thing is I'm going to lay the 14 and a half. Florida National is absolutely terrible. I just have no words. I just, I cannot believe this is happening Someone say something. This this game is just insane. Are we sure that like, the international part of Florida is playing the right kind of football? Maybe probably, probably not. That's probably the problem. Okay. Right. I'm, just, I'm trying to solve issues here. I don't know. Yeah. So, so I'm going to give you all a glimpse into my life here, okay? So we record this. It's later in the evening, usually up fairly late. It's, it's some of the only times that I have to myself during the day. I like to have a lot of deep thoughts, like how's my fantasy baseball team doing? and things of that nature. I was laying in bed thinking that Florida International and New Mexico State are playing football this weekend. And the only thought that came to my mind was the great George Costanza quote, we live in a society. (laughs) And we live in a society that is making these two terrible football teams play each other. And I don't don't know what that says about us as a society. But what I also would say is that where I come from, we have a saying about blind squirrels and nuts. And all I have to say is that if New Mexico State is not Florida International's nut as far as covering, what does Florida International have for the rest of the season? What game are they going to cover if not this one? And I agree with you. I would lay the 14 and a half points with New Mexico State <laughs> as well. But I, if, if, if Florida International does not cover this game, what are they going to become? How much yeah. lower can they go? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a scary it. thought. Yeah, that, that is a scary thought. Things. Yeah, I feel like we gotta we gotta turn this around fast. This is gonna get depressing. <laughs> Jake, yeah. give us a yeah. Jake, give us a happy thought about this game. <laughs> uh, it's football. There you go. There's something. That is true. <laughs> that is true. 
Um, it feels Take like the game of the year. It feels like the game of the year. It's a pillow I mean, fight of the year. It is. It is. Yeah. If 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 New Mexico State is ever going to blow anybody out, it's now. Mm-hmm. Um, if Florida International is ever going to hang into a game, it's now. it's now. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of the line for both these teams. I'm playing the 14 and a half just to see great pick. Sideline says uh, 14 and a half is a good number, yeah. which is insane. You know, the only way this game insane. becomes watchable if it's like the Fordham Ohio Ohio game, where they're just points, 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 yeah. points. Yeah, wouldn't count on it. No, wouldn't I don't count. count on it. <laughs> it's the only way it's watchable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, moving on, 8 p.m. Eastern, Georgia Tech at Pittsburgh. I'm going to like the 22 with Pittsburgh. One that Sunday was hanging around 20. I would have liked 20 a lot better. At 22, bleh, I mean, uh, lane 20 is a solid play. Lane 22 is not exciting. Only a C-grade pick. Sideline says 22 is a good number. I just don't have any faith in Georgia Tech. I think Pittsburgh's a pretty solid team. I think they. I think they're going to handle Georgia Tech. It's just. It's not a high confidence play because we're on the wrong side of twenty one and twenty, which are the two numbers that really matter here. But I just can't back Georgia Tech unless I'm getting tons of value, and this isn't really a value spot, in my opinion, to grab twenty two at Georgia Tech. It's only valuable in this case if you're getting twenty eight, which is obviously never going to happen. So just not enough points to entice me to take Georgia Tech. So I'll lay it with Pittsburgh, but I just hate that number here. Total forty nine and a half. Cousin Jared, what do you got? I think I would lean towards taking the points with Georgia Tech here. Uh, I think that the specter of the coach being let go has finally been removed from them. They kind of know what's what's happening. And and so, you know, I I think that they're I think they're actually going to play a little bit better now because they're probably not playing with the the, this not that they necessarily were. But, you know, like, hey, we've got to win or he's going to lose his job. And so, like, kind of know what's going to happen there. So and I'm not asking for much. Right. Like we, we've talked ad nauseum about how Pitt doesn't want to they really just want to grind it out on the ground and run the clock and everything. So I think in a game with a total of forty nine and a half, getting twenty two points, I, I think is, you know, reasonable. So uh, I definitely don't go, you know, blow the bank on this or anything. But if I had to lead one way or the other, I'd say take the twenty two points. I mean, Georgia Tech can't be any worse than they've been. Right. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, we will. <laughs> Jake, what do you think? This is this is stay away territory for me. Like I wanted it under twenty one for Pittsburgh or over twenty four for Georgia Tech, and it's right in the middle of it. I with it. Uh, new coach. I don't have a clue what he's going to do with Georgia Tech. I'm not sure what he can do uh, with the talent they have on that roster because it's not much. And twenty one seems to be the limit. Pittsburgh's a win by. They beat Rhode Island and Western Michigan by 21 and then lost the other two games. So I don't I don't know that they want to win by more than three touchdowns. Uh, so I'm just – but anyway, how do we not talk about the onside kick the kicker did for Pittsburgh all on his yeah. own after getting roughed and then got chewed out? Does, does he I get mean, to play this game? I, I, I feel like I could only aspire to have that sort of confidence and yeah. execution – I mean, that was props. Um, props. Um, Pittsburgh only lost one game this year. Of course, they lost to Tennessee oh, in a long time. They, they did beat West Virginia. But yeah, they blew the last two by 21 against teams that are probably about the same caliber as Georgia Tech in Western Michigan and Rhode Island. And I feel like probably about the same thing. So I, I, I'm with you. That's why I said I hate this number uh, at 22. It does really feel like stay away territory, uh, in my opinion. Pittsburgh not really with a look-ahead spot either with Virginia Tech next week. So it's not like, you know, if they had a really tough opponent next week, then it becomes maybe – uh, at least more enticing to grab the points and say Pittsburgh's going to pull everybody, but I don't really think that's the spot. Uh, if you're staying up late Saturday night, 11 p.m. Eastern, some Pac-12 after dark, Stanford and Oregon.
Oregon. Oregon is a 17-point favorite here. Sideline says 18. I'm going to lay the 17 with Oregon in a B-grade pick. This feels a lot like the USC-Stanford game, except I don't think Stanford has that you know, late comeback type thing in them. I think Oregon at home is just going to kick the crap out of Stanford. I just think Oregon's a pretty good football team, and I don't think Stanford is. Had we seen Oregon execute in the red zone last week, they would have – won that game by, I don't know, 20, 25, something crazy. And I feel like that's the same sort of thing this week. What do you think they worked on in practice? I hope red zone execution. If not, we should be firing some coaches. So I feel like they'll be able to get it done here. I just don't see how Stanford stops Oregon. This isn't the Stanford of old that has a good defense. USC put up a ton of points on them. I think Oregon can do the same thing. Pretty high total in 64 and a half, and I think Oregon scores a lot of points. So in a high-scoring game where I just don't trust Stanford to be able to keep up with Oregon, I'm going to lay the 17 there. Only a B-grade pick. 13 and a half, 13 would be an A-grade, but on that side of 14, only a B-grade for me. Uh, Cousin Jared, what do you think? Uh, I want to say that I would lean towards the over in this game, but you're on the north side of a couple of key numbers, 61, 62, um, 62. Five is the key, next key number above that. I think I would still lean towards the over if I had to pick, but I would also lean towards laying the points with Oregon. Um, I, I think that Oregon showed us in, in the fourth quarter of that game against Washington State how what they can be, and if they, like you said, just don't have that ineptitude in the in the red zone, then you know that game's not even close. And, and so I think that's more likely what you would get out of this game than than what we got with um, you know. Uh, last week against Washington State. So I would also lean towards laying the points with with Oregon. Jake? Yeah, I'm jumping on Oregon here. I'm, I'm riding this train. Uh, Stanford tries hard. Props to them. But, man, they just don't <laughs> have the horses right now. They just like, – it's – their offense isn't explosive to take part of, like, take advantage of some of the weaknesses of Oregon's defense that uh, some of the teams have shown, like Georgia and Washington State. And their defense isn't good enough. for Right now, Oregon – averaging like 51 points a game in their last three they're not going to slow that down very much so I, I, the only way this this doesn't happen is if we get bad bonex for four quarters and i, I don't think that's happening because he seems to be he's always better always been better at home but he seems to be a lot more relaxed once he got out of auburn and the extra pressure of like his dad and stuff so i think mm-hmm. he's a, a little bit of a better player in oregon just without that extra something hanging over him and I think this Oregon team is pretty good, and it really makes that Georgia game weird. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, well, I think Oregon's an easy play. The over might be is something to look at here. It's I'm not playing it right now, but I, I think Oregon likes to score points. Their defense is a little bit of ball hawking and likes to do it. So I, it would lean over, but I'm not playing any. I'm just taking Oregon minus 17. Would not be surprised being such a late game for all of us to wake up on Sunday morning and see 55 to 25 or some yeah. crazy yeah. high school like that. And I think we'd all be like, whoa, that looked like a crazy game. I mean, just, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's the, if you're staying up late Saturday. If you're staying up really late Saturday night, all the way until no, don't stay up, go to go to sleep, <laughs> and then we can watch this one. Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern moved because of the hurricane. We talked about this in episode. Uh, two of the week. This line was at three and a half and it's dropped to three. Uh, you know, the location hasn't changed at this point. It's still going to be played in Orlando. Uh, I'm wondering if there's any, you know, people think that SMU is going to have a better situation now. I, I don't tend to think that, you know, UCF potentially does have some players uh, who are affected by what's happening with the hurricane. SMU's travel plans are going to be affected by this. It throws everything off. 
uh, from that as well. It's just a wonky situation. I kind of talked about this in episode two. I don't really think it benefits one team or the other. It might benefit one or the other, but it's not really easy to see that uh, from my vantage point. I think it could, in, in hindsight, you know, could turn into one of those games uh, where one team wins by 20 and we kind of look back and say, yeah, the other team just wasn't able to focus because of whatever. And, and you could say because the hurricane, because the travel, because of the Sunday, because of who knows what. But at this point, I don't really think it's clear it's one or the other. I've been high on SMU all season. They've really let me down here the last couple of weeks. I'm going to back UCF. I like that it's down to three. That makes it a B-grade play. It'll only be a C-grade play down at three and a half. A sideline says it should be 4.4. Model thinks that UCF is a better team than SMU. And at home, it, they still should have some fans there. Um, you know, they still should have what, how, you know, I don't want to say packed. I don't know if it'll be a sellout, but they still should have some fans there and a home crowd not traveling, right? All the same normal home field effects that you would you would normally see. I like laying the three with UCF here against SMU. Like I said, I just don't think uh, I've been burned one too many times by SMU to think that they can um, go on the road and get this done. Total of 64 and a half. So it should be a fun game for your Sunday afternoon. Uh, if you aren't as into the NFL or if you want to flip to something else, uh, a little bit different. Cousin Jared, what do you have for us on this one? You, you mentioned that Tech had a low win expectancy against Texas. You want to know who else who had a really low win expectancy last week? Hmm. UCF against Georgia Tech hmm. had a pretty low win expectancy there. I, I I don't think yeah I don't think UCF I think they've got some problems on on offense. They're, they're fairly one dimensional. I think. Um, they run the ball a lot better. I think the clock is going to be running a lot in this game. And I think UCS defense has been uh, reasonable, not not what you would think with UCF when they were, you know, uh, running and gunning with with Heupel there. Not that their defense was bad then, but just, you know, their offense ran at such a pace that their defense gave up some points. I think their defense is reaping the benefits of having that offense that, that keeps the ball a little bit longer. Uh, Gus Malzahn running his offense at a, a slower pace than what you envision. I think they're only like 70th or something and, you know, number of plays run or, you know, time between snaps or something like that. Anyway. Where I'm going with this is I'm going to play under 64 and a half. Um, I think that UCF is getting too much respect for their offense right here. I think the clock's going to be running. Game moved to Sunday. Some weird stuff going on here. So I, I think this is a lot of points in a game where I think UCF's offense might struggle a little bit. So I'm going to play the under 64 and a half. It does feel like a situation where the total's high enough where things have to mostly go right for four quarters to go over. Right. Not that that's impossible, but – Exactly. All you need is one sleepy quarter that goes seven to three, and all of a sudden you're feeling pretty good about this. And, about and, this and how many and points I, are in this? And I do not trust UCF to string together four good quarters. Yeah, yeah, and I don't trust SMU too as well, right? I think, yeah. I think there's questions on both teams. Um, yeah. yeah, both teams uh, really needing this one in order to, I think steer the ship in the right direction for the season, um, right? Given the expectations that have really not been met yet in my opinion for either side so far jake what do you have for us yeah i'm, I'm with jared i'm playing the under here athletes are creatures of habit and this throws all sorts of habits off right like it's got an extra day in that throws your practice week off the weather's doing all that like it i don't think there's any way these kids are ready to come out and play their best football there's just too much going on around them i mean smu you're you're probably checking your flight every few minutes and that's probably changing all the time so it's just throwing everything off like i i, I don't see i wouldn't trust these teams with this number perfect and add in all the extra craziness i think under is a smart play yeah yeah i think i think 
I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, that is every game this week. So we're going to look back now to games that we covered previously in our Kill the Clock offense segment. I have nothing else to add as of this moment, but I will probably be adding units to plays um, either tomorrow on Thursday, today on Thursday, depending on when you're watching this, or on Friday, uh, based off some line movements. Uh, I have some numbers kind of been talking about that I'm waiting on. And of course, maybe some numbers, number moves that surprise me that I would take advantage of. Uh, so nothing else for me here. Uh, Cousin Jared, do you have anything you want to add in this segment? I don't have anything I want to add either. Be watching Twitter and Patreon members. Watch the Discord. I'll, I'll make sure that everybody is aware of any additional plays that I make. But, man, let's turn the floor over to Jake and just let him impart all of his wisdom upon us. Oh, all right, Jake. A lot, of, <laughs> yeah, a lot of games that we covered in the first two episodes. Uh, so here is your chance to uh, make any plays on those that you want. All right. First off, we're going to start with Washington. I'm taking Washington minus three and a half. I'm also doubling up, taking the over. Both these teams love to score points, and it's fun. They're averaging 40 points apiece. UCLA's offense is fairly good. Uh, so, But their defense is questionable, I think is a nice way to say it. They let Colorado score two TDs, and, my, and I've made my opinions known of Colorado. Um, Penix is Heineken, I think, maybe. <laughs> I mean, he's having an outstanding. Seems season. unlikely, but it's yeah, it's a good season. But uh, it's just he's out out there just killing it. Thompson and Robinson, those two combined right now have twenty touchdowns and two interceptions. Uh, oh. All it takes is one or two stops, and Washington covers. And I think we hit the over fairly easy. Okay. Uh, so then the, I don't have that many plays I'm adding this time around. Um, I'm jumping on Old Dominion, uh, the Old Dominion under or over because I don't understand why that's going down at all. It doesn't make any sense. Um, I think Minnesota is a much better team than Purdue. And Ibrahim, Ibrahim, Muhammad, whatever, is it might be the best running back in uh, college football right now. And Very good, yep. Just I don't think Purdue is going to get in his way whatsoever. Um <laughs> Air Force is just a lot better than Navy. Navy doesn't have the offense. Like I think, I think you said it, uh, for, but you have to get ahead of Air Force early for them mm-hmm. to be off their game, and Navy doesn't have the offense for that. I'm actually going to go with Kansas over Iowa State too. Like I, I, I think there's something special happening there in Kansas, and at home, Iowa State. Like I think uh, Jalen Daniels puts a different kind of pressure. On you, and I don't know that Iowa State's ready for that. He's just making people look really not that good, and he's able to run the ball, throw the ball. It's really good, and the defense is playing better than I expected. Um, Cincinnati is a lot better than the nine and a half they're favored right now, so double digits should be should be an easy easy cover for them. Um, I'm going to take Washington Washington State in the over. I just I don't know. Me and Washington are going over the whole state. This is, I don't say it's a good team, the very dynamic offense. California's proved it can score against some fairly uh, the decent, what we think is a def- decent defense in Notre Dame. Uh, so I, I think this game goes back and forth. Cam Ward and Nakia Watson should be able to get us to the cover and should get us to the over. Uh, I want to take USC. I pointed this out earlier. I'm, I'm not 100% sold on it, so keep your eyes out. Uh, but man, 
the, I talked about it with Utah, right? Having these two teams back to back is terrible for the back 12 to do to somebody because of the differences in style. And I, I don't, I don't know that Arizona State will be ready, but well, I'm to go from Utah to this one, this one to uh, from USA to Utah. So I'm not sure. I mean, it's at what 25 now? Is it 25 or 25 and a half? Yeah, I would like it better around 24, but so we're going to skip that one. Um, Kentucky and Ole Miss. I'm not sure why I'm making whatever. I just kind of like to talk about this one because I don't like Ole Miss that collapsed last time. Lane Kiffin talking about his team looking like a high school stadium, like with a crowd. I'm not that didn't play too well for Van Dyke. So does that come back around and get him? I don't know. And I don't trust Will Levis as far as I can throw him. I I think you hit on the most important part that last statement. <laughs> um, I'm actually going to go with Arkansas at 17 and a half. I, Alabama is the better team on both sides, all three phases of the ball, but I don't think they've got the explosive offense to cover the get more than 17 with the way Arkansas can run the ball because Arkansas can dominate a little bit on the ground and eat some clock. So I think it stays closer than what it is, especially coming off that heartbreaking loss they had. I think that uh, I think Jake is just pandering to the crowd. I think uh, we have more Arkansas fans or Arkansas truthers or Arkansas believers or whatever you want to call them uh, in our in our comments than any other school. And so I think I think Jake's just pandering at this point. Yeah, yeah, pandering. Yeah, I, but I was just I just they're gonna love you. They're gonna love you. Yeah, I just don't see the explosive in Alabama to really put this game away, especially being in Arkansas. Now this is in Tuscaloosa, different story. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna predict that Alabama is up 31 going to the fourth quarter, and I'm just gonna laugh. I I, I, I was gonna say I don't trust Arkansas's pass defense against Bryce Young. I think it's yeah. gonna be rough rough for for them. Yeah, I I agree. I think very, so very well could be. Uh, who in their right mind thought that we should start favoring Nebraska again? Yeah, <laughs> I've been asking that all season, literally all season. I I faded them every single game. Yeah, and, and that's. Like I don't understand that, so I'm on Indiana plus the points, maybe even. I'm not sure why they went from three and a half to four and a half either. Not that four is like the the most key number, but it's quasi key. Like I don't understand it. And this is one I'm probably going to. I think I'm going to get the sideline on. But we got to start putting some respect on South Alabama's name here. Like this this team is playing very well, and I mean they should have. They went to UCLA and should have won that game. They had it. They beat the pants off Louisiana Tech. they beat a decent Central Michigan team by 14. Bradley is playing out of his mind, throwing the ball everywhere. Webb is a huge weapon. Their defense isn't as like is doing pretty good. They're ranking in the top 20 in most categories. I know you have to the competition they've played isn't amazing, but from like raw stats. But I mean they've got an average. They're averaging a positive turnover margin. I think they are an extremely good team. Um, they've covered all four games of this year and. I mean, not even close. I mean, their closest one was last week when they were favored by 11, one by 24, or favored by 13, one by 24. So they had 11 points to play with there. And, I mean, they were underdogs of the Central Michigan team, won the game outright. I think this team – I know there's Sunbelt West, and I think whoever they run into is going to be trouble in that Sunbelt matchup. But the South Alabama team is a lot better than the respect they're not – they're getting being shown right now. I think that's my rant for the day. No, can't, you're good. can't think, argue. Uh, yeah, can't argue with anything you just said. Yeah, I, I, 
I said it before and I'll say it again. It's just, it's really going to be a question about how bad is Louisiana. And I think it's an open question of, we know they're bad. We know they're worse. We know they're getting worse than we thought they were, whatever you, however you want to say it. Uh, it's just how bad, how low is the floor? And uh, we're going to, we're going to keep finding out something each week about them because it's, it's, it may be really low. What I can say is that last year we definitely pandered to the Mountain West conference quite a bit. This year it is definitely the Sun Belt. We are, yes. we are all, all in on the Sun Belt. Yes. We it's really are, yeah. It's been incredible. Yeah, it has. I mean, you're right. Last year it was a lot about the Mountain West, but the Mountain West has just been so disappointing, which is sad because yeah. the Mountain West gets those Friday night games, and so it's like we can like highlight those, the standalone people like to watch that, you know. But yeah, yeah, it's just been a disappointing conference this year. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we were we were a Mountain West podcast, and now we're a, a Sun Belt show, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's, there's a couple games I'm kind of waiting on. I want to see what the weather is doing in NC State, Clemson, uh, and. I want to see what the injury report says about Michigan State and Maryland with Tua and all that. So I'm just kind of waiting for more information there. Or Tua's brother, not Tua, because that's yeah. cheating if we'll bring him in. That um, is definitely cheating. Um, I think the weather's projecting to do a little bit better than it was 24 hours ago in South Carolina based off of what's moved today. But again, just like we said 24 hours ago, check in another 24 hours because it, it, these things yeah. sometimes change, right? It's um, We've gotten really good at how we forecast these and predict. Uh, we're much more accurate than we were 10, 20 years ago, but there still is some uh, potential change happening. But it seems like the weather for Clemson is we're more optimistic about it right now than we were 24 hours ago. Uh, whatever that's worth. Yeah. And then there's one I forgot, Penn State, because Northwestern is garbage. Is Fitzgerald yeah. in trouble? Is this uh, like, is he in trouble no. here? No, they no, just announced they just announced today they're building a new stadium. He's not in trouble. It's it, I mean, you have to remember where he's taking them from. Like even if yeah. even if he has these bad years, he still had so many years that of, of reaching heights at Northwestern has never reached I guess. under him. He's fine for a long while. I feel like. Cause I think I heard somebody say his buyout was under a million dollars and that, that doesn't like that doesn't bold well for job security. But, yeah. I just, I think I'm, I'm to, hearing rumors. So that could be wrong. I could be wrong on that, but man, it, it feels like if you fire him, you're going to be in a situation worse, worse than Nebraska's been in, which is, not happy with being decent Northwestern. I mean, Nebraska not being happy with being good and, and getting a lot worse. And it feels like if they fire Fitzgerald, that it's they're going to potentially go back to winning two games a year, every year, as opposed to at least he's had some good seasons. I feel like he'd have to lose 10 games for three, four or five years in a row before I would start being really concerned about him. My, my personal take. Being a Tennessee fan, I know when you fire a coach, it, it sometimes it goes really downhill. Really, quick. Yeah. It doesn't always get better. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is man, this is like the best thing ever. I think the two coaches that have been there for a long time that might get something might happen that you would be surprised is Ken Niamatololo at, at Navy. Yeah. Like, well, what's gonna happen with him with, with how bad they've been the past couple of years? And then That's David Shaw. Yeah, and then David Shaw at Stanford. Like, I don't think they would fire David Shaw, but like it's it might kind of get awkward here if another year or year and a half of the way they've been playing. I, I was thinking about this with Stanford and I almost brought it up earlier, uh, but I wanted to get to our, to our Sunday game. It's, it's a really interesting situation because the, the barriers that you have at Stanford, given the academic requirements, mm -hmm. given that the PAC 12 is, is down, given that a college kid may not be excited to go play in the Bay area, right? It's not, it's not, you know, Arizona state, right. Or Arizona or LA. If, if you're out that direction, it's, uh, it's not quite the same football atmosphere as, as Utah, you know, it's, they've got just so many challenges, but we got used to Stanford being yeah. a top 25 team. And for a stretch, they're really a top 10 team. 
you know, and they were so good in that run with Harbaugh and then in the immediate aftermath of that. Yeah. But it's interesting. But when you like analyze everything across the board, I've got Stanford ranked like I think 70th, which given their hurdles that they have, like isn't bad at all. But I wonder if our expectations are skewed because of what they were for so many years, which seems a little bit unfair because it doesn't seem like it'll be easy to return to that because again, all of these challenges that I just laid out. Exactly. I mean, they, they struck gold with, like twice there with what McCaffrey and luck like Toby Gerhardt before that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's just, I I don't know how many times you're going to find that guy that elevates you that can also meet those academic standards. Like that is a special human that can do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. That would be all of the games this week, all of the picks. Uh, Cousin Jared, any parting words before we enter into the games for week five? I think this is going to be a good weekend for college football. I think it's going to be good. All right. All right. All right, Jake. Yeah, we were talking about this before. This is not necessarily the best gambling slate, but an incredible watching slate for college football. And if you're now's the time to join the Patreon and Discord because basketball practices are starting. That information is going to be coming out as I find some more fun stuff that's coming out with new players and how they're doing and things. I'll be throwing it in that Discord so you can get ahead of, get ahead of the game there. All right. Well, that's then all we've got. Check out the website if you haven't yet. That's www.pigsprofessor.com. The Patreon link, it's in the crawler. Coming down right there. Uh, lots of good benefits there if you want to check that out. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel if you haven't yet to ensure all the sports betting content we provide. It's dropped right into your feed. See you next week with more college football betting content, still baseball content six days a week, and we'll still have playoff content coming sooner rather than later as always. Best of luck, and remember, you can eat your betting money, but please don't bet your eating money.